gonemobile.io. It's Gone Mobile. Welcome back to another episode of Gone Mobile. In this episode, we're joined uh, from Build with uh, David Hamilton. How's it going, Dave? Hey, it's good, thanks. It's great to have you here. Um, how's the conference been for you so far? Uh, it's been really good, really good. Very interesting. It's awesome. Yeah, we're coming up on the, the, the end of three days here, so it's, it's been an exhausting few days, but a lot of fun. Yeah, I'm <laughs> feeling, it, feeling quite tired now. So, but. Yep. What you can't see in, on the audio version of this is me chugging coffee right now. <laughs> um, so anyway, back, back to business here, right? So, so you've been building a lot of stuff with, with bot framework, and you know, some of which was even like featured here at Build a little bit. Um, which is a, a really cool topic. Bots are really, really hip right now, um, but we haven't covered it on this show at all. So, you know, what? Let's start with the very, very basics before getting into some of the cool stuff that, that you're building um, that we can actually demo because this is an audio podcast for with you know some spoken bot stuff. Um, but what is bot framework? What does it give you? So, so very simply, bot framework is a way to code once and communicate with lots of chatbots out there. Um, I'm, I'm not going to remember the full list off the top of my head, but there's Facebook Messenger, Skype, um, Kick, Telegram. I think they've just recently announced um, Bing as a chatbot as well. Um, and also kind of the, the buzz one around build is the fact that Cortana has now has skills available for it to, to rival Alexa. Um, so, so as a developer, how do, how do you actually use the bot framework? Like what languages or libraries are there for you? So, so it works from uh, C Sharp or Node. Um, it's, it's it's pretty simple, really. There's a um, a NuGet package in the C sharp side of things that um, is just a bot builder. Download that, and you're kind of up and running pretty immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, framework.net I think is um, the URL where all the documentation and everything is. So it's it's really really simple to get going. Cool. And how much of a you know, it's obviously trying to act as kind of an abstraction layer, I assume, over all of all of these different uh, outputs, um, whatever. I'm not sure what they actually refer to them as in, in the bot framework, but, you know, your, your Skypes, your, your Alexas, your so on. Um, you know, how much code reuse do you get when you want to target all of those different things? Um, the majority of it is there. Um, I guess when you're developing a bot, in, in some ways... It's similar to think to think about sort of building an app where you've got different pages that have different sets of functionality, um, but at the same time it's completely different. Um, <laughs> I'll try and explain a bit more about that about that later. Just like how how much of an abstraction is there over like how much code reuse do you get? So basically, the the main the main context of it the the main functionality is all the same everywhere, and if you're I guess if you're looking at the very low end of some of the channels that are available, you can send out via SMS. SMS is not a very rich channel. It can only do text. Um, Whereas you look at Facebook Messenger and Skype, they're very, very rich. They can do lots of graphical things with buttons on it. So if you want to um, slim down the number of channels that you work with, you can have a massive amount of code reuse. If you want to work with every single channel, then you're going to have to do some bits of functionality that are specifically for that channel and just focus on how that channel needs to differ slightly. But it's, it's all about the output of how it delivers as opposed to um, the actual functionality of code behind it, if that makes sense. Yeah, definitely. So, so for these different channels, like say, say I wanted to do text messaging and Facebook messengers, like so two on the, the totally opposite ends of the spectrum there is in terms of you know, depth of functionality. Uh, does my code then specifically target some sort of class or API for Facebook, or is it just that 
there there are some fields that you'd fill out in a request or something that that get ignored on the SMS side. Yeah. So right right now there is a concept of sort of you have hero cards and thumbnail cards that you fill out, um, which allow you to put in. Um, the content for an image or the title and that side of things. If you sent that hero card out to the text message channel, that would render it in the way it's programmed to and quite likely miss off a few pieces. Um, in fact, so, so we personally don't deal with the SMS one, so I don't know the massive ins and outs of that, the way that one works. Um, but for example, on Facebook, I think their hero card doesn't deal with a subtitle. You just have a title and some text. Whereas on Skype, you can have a title, a subtitle, and some text. So uh, the bot framework in the background just does a little bit of sort of amalgamating of this information together to make sure it still all goes out there. But in some instances, it's actually a better user experience if you miss it off on a certain channel. Mm -hmm. um, and, but the bot tells you what, what channel you're talking to at that point in time. So you can very easily make that decision and say, oh, if this is Skype, I just won't do that little bit or, or will do that extra bit. Okay, but in terms of sort of the, the code API that you're dealing with, it's still the same, the same objects, the same method calls. It's just that you have to sort of know up front which yes. channels support which features. Yes, it's exactly the same, exactly the same objects that I'm working with. Um, and in fact, from what I understand, that's all about to change in the future. But one of the announcements that's been made here is about the adaptive cards. Um, the bot framework is one of the services that will be supporting adaptive cards shortly. Um, which means that you will literally just put together this card how you want, and it will just go out and be rendered on on everything. Yeah, that should that should be super interesting. Um, like, is that was it, does that basically summarize what what adaptive cards are? Was there more to it than that? Um, so adaptive cards, I'm, this is kind of new to me, so I don't know the ins and outs of them yet. So Fair. Um, <laughs> I may not be the the um, the right person <laughs> to ask all of this information on for that. But they're being used in the new timeline feature of the Fluent um, design language. Um, they're being used um, certainly within the bot framework. So the idea is, is that within that, I am able to customize the information that I want to send into it in a, in a standard way. It's a JSON-based um, structure. And I can just go in and say, well, I'm going to put this text object in this image object, this other text object, some of them I can change a size or whatever and say it's in bold. And then it's up to the channel at the other end on how it then decides to, to render that. So in the instance of the bot framework, the, the framework would take the adaptive card in and that would go, right, so on Facebook, we're going to change that to this specific, uh, specific Facebook markup, which should give a great deal more flexibility to be able to support some of Facebook's strange lists that they offer in comparison to Skype that doesn't offer the, the list style side of things. Huh, that, should, that should make things pretty interesting then. Yes. Um, so what is the, the sort of hosting model that you, like is this a client side library, a server side library, both? Like what does that, that side of the story really look like? Okay, so, so the bot framework itself is a, is a REST API, um, which Microsoft hosts somewhere within all their cloud of things. Um, so all we need to do is host our own API that has our logic um, of how our service needs to function. Uh, for us, that's just an Azure website um, with an API um, handler on the end of it that the bot framework communicates to. Um, the setup of that is really, really simple. Just on the bot framework portal, put our URL that it can communicate to, and all the requests just come straight to that. And Cool. So then, is your API then acting as basically a proxy between your user and the the bot framework stuff, where you're making server-to-server -server bot framework calls, or do they eventually get a direct uh, channel of communication there? No. So, the, so the user, let's say, for example, the user is using Skype. They're obviously talking directly to Skype. Skype 
will have our service registers as a bot and the bot framework does the configuration here for us um, and it's the same it does the configuration or tells us the configuration we need to put into Facebook side of things mm -hmm. so on the Skype or Facebook configuration of the bot framework, sorry, of the bot that the user's communicating to, we would put in a bot framework URL. So the Skype or Facebook service communicates to bot framework. Bot framework then communicates to our API, which we utilize to then communicate to all of our data and pull back the, the business logic. Um, so we are literally API to API of our service to bot framework. It then distributes it how it needs to. Okay. Oh, yeah, that, that makes a lot more sense. Um, so going back to sort of, uh, you know, we were talking about a moment ago with the, you know, all these different platforms and some of which support some fields, some, uh, you know, some don't. How much disparity is there? Real? Like, how much does that really manifest itself in like sort of day-to-day -day bot framework development usage? Like, is there a, a wide gap between a lot of these platforms or are they pretty consistent? If we look at the uh, most simple service of SMS, it supports very, very few, um, sort of a, a very small amount of rich functionality, next to no rich functionality. Whereas if you look at the, the sort of the Skypes and the Facebook Messenger, they support a massive amount of rich functionality. So if you're comparing from one end to the other, there's a massive amount of, of change between the support that's available. Um, but if you're comparing, say, Skype to Facebook, there's very little um, difference in the functionality of what's available. So then, uh, so if a lot of these platforms are, you know, generally the same, you know, if, especially from a user perspective, they're they're all performing similar types. Of, the, the interaction models are the same. So, like you were talking about before, the feature set is going to be pretty consistent. Um, are there sort of any? Does Bot Framework give you any sort of way to to go around any say limitations imposed by Bot Framework? Like, let's say Facebook releases some really cool new feature that you want to take advantage of, and Bot Framework doesn't have any kind of abstracted support for that yet. Is there any ability to kind of go around the walls of Bot Framework, or do you have to just do a custom separate integration? Um, yeah, basically you can you can bypass the, the the sort of the the common features that the Bot Framework provides you. At, at the end of the day, what is sent into the Bot Framework is just a payload of some kind in whatever format that you require. If the Bot Framework doesn't understand that that payload, it will just pass it straight on. Hmm. Um, so if I really want to take advantage of Facebook's latest thing that they put in there and the bot framework doesn't support it, I can just manually put my own payload into that and that will be sent straight through. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because I, I can imagine that you know, eventually the abstraction is going to miss something or they're, they're not going to keep up with some new feature. But it's nice that they, they hear they you know, accounted for that right from the start in, in the design there. Um, so I think that... that that's a good sort of foundation for, for what bot, bot Framework is. It sounds really easy to kind of get up and running. Um, so let's, let's talk a little bit about the, the stuff that you're building with it. Yeah, okay. So, so I um, run an organization called Gigseeker, um, which is all about live music discovery, helping people find concerts near them. Um, primarily, we are a UK service. Um, however, we have just launched into the US um, just in time for build and everything. So um, you should start to hear, sort of hopefully hear our name around a little bit more often over here. Um, but our aim is to kind of provide the ability for people to, in whatever format they want to, just be able to ask a question, say, what's going on in Seattle tonight or this week or whatever, or what can you tell me about? whoever my favorite artist might be and what their next upcoming events are. Um, and in fact, as we move further forwards into our journey, 
and add some sort of more functionality like can you notify me when Adele is playing next or when she next announces a tour which could be two years away from now so we are looking at including the ability to pick that up and then reopen that conversation on on whatever the platform is it's come in from and kind of say hey Adele's just announced this new tour do you want to go and buy tickets for it and you can go oh yeah and we'll sort of guide the user through that journey nice and easily. Um, that sounds cool. So um, is, I'm assuming that there's uh, you know, interfaces outside of Bot Framework and then the, this, the, the chat stuff that you're adding just augments that? Yes. So at, at the minute, the service that's out there is, is very much around the discovery side of things and it's very minimal. Um, we basically only allow people to break out to our website to get a slightly more rich experience where they could go and purchase tickets or see a more detailed, easier to explore view perhaps than what the bot mm -hmm. side of things might offer. Um, so it's really at the minute, it's just about an initial discovery service. But you can, you can add in the sort of rich UI, you can add sort of uh, buttons into the, um, into the responses that the user can click that could then go and open up an app or, or do whatever you want the button to do really um, to give that, that much more rich experience for the user. That's cool. So what platforms are you targeting then for, for your chat experience? So right now we've launched a brand new Cortana skill uh, with Build. We're one of the, the featured uh, skills that's that's out there. Um, and over the course of the next couple of weeks, we will also have Facebook Messenger go live along with Skype and the new Bing uh, chatbots that are also available. MFractor is a productivity tool for Xamarin Studio Mac to make developing your Xamarin Forms apps faster. Working with XAML is a breeze with MFractor. Its XAML analyzer detects dozens of issues at design time and lets you fix them in just a few clicks. Using MFractor means you write less boilerplate code. Simply generate C-sharp right from your XAML. This frees up time for you to write the core app code that actually makes your business money. You can get started with MFractor today by visiting www.mfractor.com and downloading it now. So, so kind of building on um, what you just talked about, like let's use Cortana as an example here, and uh, you know, building on what we talked about earlier about how you kind of get started, like, like what what were the pieces that go into to creating that skill? Like, what sort of things did you have to process on your side to to enable these sorts of conversations? So, so the first thing, I guess, the first thing for anyone that's looking to create a bot of some kind is you've you've got to throw everything you've learned about creating an app or a website out the window. Because um, you've got to think about it as a conversation. Um, if I'm having a conversation with you about sort of what events are going on around here in Seattle at the moment, you could go on and ask me about ticket prices for something. But then in your next sentence, you'd say, oh, and what about Bruno Mars, who happens to be the person that's headlining it? I know through the context of our conversation who and what you're talking about and the fact that it's still relevant to an event. But if you think about that from like an app perspective, I'd have been maybe looking at the app moved on to view a whole list of tickets, which is a different page. You then talk about Bruno Mars, which is kind of coming back to the event page, then through to the list of the lineup, then off to the profile about Bruno Mars, for example. So it's, there's kind of, you've got to keep conversation context aware so that it feels natural for the users. And I, and I think this is a really important point when it comes to bots, is that people aren't going to want to speak to something if it is purely just like, very old school games where you say, yes, I want to move north through this forest or, or whatever, and, and just simple instructions. It's, it needs to feel like it's a conversation and it's, it's normal for them. Otherwise, it will be alien and they won't want to use them. So, so I think that's 
the first thing, and it's that's quite a big hurdle to overcome in to actually rethink your service as a conversation. How do you sit in a pub and chat with it with your mates, or how do you sit and talk about it with the staff that you work with and that sort of thing? That's what you need to get across. Yeah, and that's where, and personally in my experience, I find that a lot of the current experiences out there fall very short on that, that side of things, like especially with you know the Amazon Echo, the, the way that, uh, there's a lot of things I really like about the Echo, but one of the things that always kind of irks me is that it's very, it feels very much like a spoken word command line, like it's a, you know, you really are basically, you know, speaking commands, you're saying, you know, tell some app to do something, and then a lot of apps don't even use the conversational sort of side of things, so it's, you know, from question to question to request to request, you just lose all that context, even with a lot of the built-in stuff. Um, so just as a user, it's not, it, it feels very unnatural speaking-wise. Yeah, and, and I, we, we don't have an Alexa skill yet. We will do at, at some point in the future, but we're going to perfect the, the Cortana one that we've got first before we go down that route. But we did a lot of playing around Christmas with Alexa to, to get an understanding. But this was before we even knew that Cortana skills uh, were available. Um, so we were already thinking down that voice route. And I was continuously having to say, hey, Alexa, do this. It would do it. And I would, in a normal conversation, I would say, oh, so what about this? But then I have to say, hey, Alexa, ask blah, blah, blah. What about this? And, and that just doesn't make conversation happen. Whereas with the Cortana side of things, um, I'm not gonna actually say the thing that invokes it now, otherwise my computer's just gonna ping up and start making lots of noises. But I can, I can start a conversation and I'm, as a developer, I then have control with the response to, to be able to turn the microphone on automatically because I'm expecting another response within that conversation. So. Um, you'll, you'll see in a bit when I demonstrate our, our skill later that um, the first response that comes back will be saying, oh, hey, Dave, how are you doing? Um, and the microphone is then turned on waiting for me to ask the next question. Um, but I can also send responses back without turning the microphone on. So if I've got multiple bits of information to do in, so, so when I do a search, I'm able to say, okay, hang on while I go and get that information. The microphone has then stayed off while I'm still retrieving this and then I present it to the user. So I'm kind of automatically able to just give a more conversational feel about the way it all works and and that's just immediately just feels so much better and was there the, does the bot framework give you any sort of uh give you a leg up at all in in enabling these more conversational contextual things or on your end is it kind of up to you to to maintain that context externally and, and inject it from request to request um so i i have to make the decision but it's very simple. I, I've got there's there's three flags that you can set with Cortana um, of whether I'm expecting an input, I'm ignoring an input, or I will accept one if one wants to come, but I'm not expecting one. So it's literally based on the context of my conversation at that point in time. I can make that decision on what I want to do. Um, obviously, with other channels, you don't need to do that because there is no microphone. But from a Cortana perspective, this is one of the differences you've got to add into the service. Um, but again, we go back to talking about the disparity between the other um, channels that are out there. You can set this on all channels and the other channels will just ignore it. So you don't have to code specifically differently. You've just got to include it in what you're coding. Okay. Um, and, and I would assume that things like, like if you want to show imagery and things like that, that's one of those things where something like Cortana would you know, just ignore or something like that. So, so right now, uh, with Cortana working through Windows 10 um, 
on desktop and, and mobile, to be honest, um, you've got the actual Cortana canvas in front of you as well. So we can send back imagery. Okay. Um, but as we move into the, the future, obviously, we've got this Harman Kardon speaker that's been announced. And I think there's a couple of other companies that are going to be making speakers as well. They won't have a display. So that is going to take a little bit of thinking about. So understanding whether or not there is or isn't a display might change how you want to to say things. And, and to be honest, um, w one of the biggest changes we've had working with the Cortana skill compared to, say, Skype or Facebook Messenger is that you have to think about what you're saying and how you're grouping the information together. So we could potentially, on one of the standard channels, just send out a, a list of all the upcoming events that someone might have. So it might be 20 upcoming events as part of a tour or, or a lot more. Um, and people just flick through that on a sort of carousel and, and get to that information as they want to see it. However, if we, if we did that on Cortana, she's then talking for 20 minutes, telling you about each one. And so, so you've got to have a little bit of a think and you can be quite clever with the speech side of things and use the display to help you. So you can be kind of like, well, okay, there's 20 upcoming events. Here's the title of the first few. Are they one of, one of the ones you want? And so some little things like that, but then have display information that are there helps you along the journey right yeah it really does bring a, a whole new type of like user experience that you have to account for it's in, in it's it's very very interesting um in like are there any other sort of like best practices for lack of a better word that you've kind of come up with of like you know as you're as you're developing these these spoken experiences like things that that either surprised you or just were like radical changes from how you might have designed a, a web or a mobile app um yeah so we we also work with um, one of Microsoft's cognitive services, uh, Lewis, the language understanding uh, system. And that helps us um, understand the utterance that the person is, is making. It gives us the intent. So are they trying to search? Are they trying to add someone to a favorite? Um, and we have, to, um, we have to code for that. And we have to tell Lewis how to behave with that side of stuff. Um, but we're also able to sort of put entities into that. So I'm able to understand what an artist name is, um, a venue name or a location, those kind of bits of information are all able to come back through there. Um, however, there's our service, we've, we've had to sort of abstract that service quite a lot because at various different places, I might, I might need to do a search everywhere within our service, but also I might need to ask about the next event and the next event isn't relevant when I'm in the context of an event. So I don't want to have the kind of the language understanding service confused with providing me with information that, oh, this person's asking for this when it's not a piece of functionality that's actually available. Um, so, so there's a whole bunch of stuff that's available there through sort of complex Lewis understanding, which is not going to be something I can just um, <laughs> d uh, portray too well without a, uh, on just audio. So. Um, yeah, yeah, we need a whiteboard at a certain yeah. point for certain things, right? Um, but even at, at a basic level on on that Lewis side, like, is there is there anything that you have to do up front to say to sort of teach it the the speech patterns that it should expect, or sort of you know denote sample sentences or utterances and that kind of thing, or is it just figure it out? Yeah, so so most of it is the the speech to text side of things is all done by Cortana, um, and their speech recognition service just sends us a text string of what is expected. Um, that goes through, to, we send that off to a REST API with Lewis. That comes back then with what it expects the intent is that has been found and the entities that are found. Um, so when we started working with, say, the Facebook Messenger side of things, we um, 
we were being able to be quite accurate with the utterances that we gave Lewis um, to train it on something. So what's the next event for artist name? And we could enter that into a few different ways of how that sentence might be phrased. We train the Lewis model and then that's, that all works fine. It picks up other ways of phrasing it and, and stuff like that really very accurately, to be honest. Um, however, with the Cortana speech recognition, it doesn't always understand some of the words, the way you say them, exactly the way you say them. Um, for example, the word artist has come back as fart list um, <laughs> and things like that. So Subtle differences <laughs> yeah, there, right? Subtle <laughs> differences. You can, you can understand how it sounds like that, but that means we've had to retrain our Lewis models to understand a few things like that that you wouldn't necessarily think of from a, just a text input hmm. side of things. That's interesting. And when we're talking about Lewis here, is this another API that you call or is this another library that you drop in? Or So Lewis is an API. Um, there are, again, libraries for it to help you um, get sort of a, a model back that you can just interact with nice and easily. Um, but it's, it's a REST API that's part of Microsoft's cognitive services that they offer um, and is very much an API that even if you're dealing with a text-based bot, you really should be implementing this into your bot because it, it just means you can work with natural language Right. And how is the latency on some of these things, too? Like the, the other side of these conversational UIs is that I imagine you have to be very aware of, you know, getting really quick responses to users because it's going to be a weird conversation if the person is just stalling on the other side. Right. And if you're layering in all these different API calls, I could imagine that that could add up as well. So you're able to send things back like sort of a typing response. So you see on WhatsApp the little dots that pop up when someone's typing. Mm -hmm. So as, as a bot, we can send those back so someone can see a response is happening. So we can do that before we start making the API requests and, and stuff. Um, but to be honest, it's all pretty quick. Um, we're getting responses, I think, from a, a sort of a um, sort of full circle of the request coming in to us send the response out within a few hundred milliseconds kind of thing. So it's not it's not too long. Um, I would say to be careful, we have sort of, I think, about eight different Lewis models that work throughout our bot. Um, we definitely don't call them all all the time. Otherwise, we've got eight API calls we're making with each request coming in, and that would then slow it down mm -hmm. quite a lot. Okay, yeah, that definitely makes sense. Um, is there, what is the pricing model for, for some of these things? Um, uh, the bot framework, I believe, is completely free to use. Um, it's really the hosting. So Azure websites, they certainly offer a free service. Um, and if you want bigger, more powerful things, then there's um, more cost behind that. Um, I think with Lewis, again, you get X amount of transactions free per month or per day or something like that. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be able to do more, then again, it costs you. Yeah, I, th I think that's right. Um, pretty much everything in the Cognitive Services API is kind of amazing. It just it really, it was also just a game changer for like anyone that writes demos, I think, because suddenly you could just really easily write kind of amazing demo apps that, that do really cool facial recognition and random things without having to do any of the hard work. Yeah, and there's, <laughs> there's been some pretty amazing sort of image recognition stuff they've, they've announced over here that build on, on some new APIs as well. So it's some really interesting things there. For sure. Um, so why don't we, you know, uh, tempt fate here a little bit and, and see if we can... Uh, you know, even given the background noise and all that, like try and give your, your app a shot here. Okay, so here goes. Hey Cortana, find Bruno Mars. Bruno Mars, really? I'll have an answer for you in a minute now. So here is Bruno Mars. What would you like to do next? What's his next event? Bruno Mars has 50 events coming soon. 
The next event is Bruno Mars at T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas. Okay, so that's kind of a, a very, very simple. I was just able to well, open GigSeeker and then I'm able to sort of welcome the user in and, and, and work into that conversation. You noticed I didn't have to keep on saying, hey, Cortana, or any of that side of things. Um, I can actually go with a much more detailed um, request right from the beginning and get straight to a whole bunch of um, answers. Ask GigSeeker what events are in Seattle this week. Let me get that for you. There are two items that match your search. One, Everclear at Showbox Sodu. Two, Congos at the Showbox. Okay, so we're at the end of the week. So when I said this week, there's obviously not much left. <laughs> right. <but laughs> That's still really cool. So building on that and going back to the, the speech pattern stuff that we were talking about before, like how much do you have to account for the, the variety of ways that you could sort of, you would ask questions like, you know, when is he playing next or who's coming up this week and that sort of thing? Okay, so probably, I guess, you probably need to think of sort of between sort of five and ten different ways of saying something um, for that. So if my intent is for next event, think of as, the more ways you can think of, the better she's going to understand you. Um, but I think for next event, we did it on about four things. And then from there, she's worked it out continuously herself all the time. Um, so it's not, it's not too hard, um, but it's not always accurate. So with Lewis, you have the ability to go back in. You can see all the live things that everyone else has said to it. So you can go, oh, actually, that should have been that. So um, I was doing, doing my talk on, on Wednesday um, at one of the, the Code Story theaters over here in Build. And um, we looked at the Lewis model that was there. And someone had asked um, during the day to see information on the gorillas. Um, the gorillas is spelled with a Z at the end. But obviously, Cortana recognized it with an S at the end. Huh. Um, so Lewis hadn't understood that gorillas with an S was one of our artist names. So we've been able to go in, tag that as being an artist name, so that next time it would understand that, and then it would hit all our search systems to then come back properly. So you've got to be conscious, though, that when you're creating this, that if Lewis doesn't get it, you need to better help the user through the journey. So the, that particular user should then got a prompt to say, well, are you searching for a venue, an artist, or a promoter? Uh, not a promoter, sorry, an event. Um, they'd have hopefully said artist, and it said, can you tell me the name of the artist? So you can go to that kind of very granular level of ask a question, ask a question, ask a question to help the user on that journey. So if any of that information is missing from what you get back from Lewis, you have the ability to then ask that question. But that does take a little bit of thinking about within your planning of the journey and planning of your, your um, sort of the back-end service. Right. And I guess it also probably, for stuff like that, it makes you want to go towards more like, a, like some sort of search system where you can search by something that sounds the same instead of necessarily is spelled the same or something. Yeah, so here actually we use Azure Search, um, and which is really super simple to set up. It, it took us about probably half hour to import some of the data from our database of all our different artists and venue names in there. Um, and then that provides us again with a simple REST API, so we can just call that. We get a, a bunch of JSON responses back that are all scored as to what it thinks are relevant things. So I think um, 
I know that for Bruno Mars, because it's the artist we use as the, the demo one, it's not one I necessarily like, I should just say that. <laughs> but it's the one that we use as a demo one on, on the stage the other day. Um, and the first result that comes back from Azure Search is, an art is, is Bruno Mars. But then there's an artist called Bruno, then there's someone called Frank Mars or something like that. And, and there's a good long list of artists that I could choose from. So again, it's then up to my logic to go, oh, actually, yeah, there's an exact match and we think that's what someone wants to do. I can assign different scoring profiles so I can, that can change the weighting of how the results come back. So it's pretty powerful and, and a very quick service. I, I imagine, I don't know for a fact, but I imagine this is what all the Bing search and sort of the, um, the quick search results that come back as you're typing is all based off this, this concept. Yeah, and it, it's funny that you mentioned using Azure, uh, the search service stuff. Like, I, ha I have my own, like, a side project I'm working on that's a, an echo skill that searches TV listings, and I have all those in Azure search service because it's a really, really nice way to just do full-text searches without having to really do any work to set up. Yeah, it's, it's, it's made out the search of our data so much quicker. We, we had, well, we have spent a lot of time in the past before sort of Azure search was available that was us coding and trying to replicate what search engines do um, and certainly not getting anywhere close to responses and the results that they get. And yeah, this now is just plug and play. It's great. Yeah. And so, so all this is really, really awesome. Hopefully people go and, and check out Bot Framework, check out the stuff that you're building. Um, is there anything that we missed along the way here or anything that, that listeners should know about you know, building bots or Bot Framework or anything? Um, other than the fact that I think all the big tech companies are right that this is going to be the next evolution of apps. We may not be there yet, but it's it's going to be a big cha game changer on how things happen. So if you're in a position where you're able to create a bot, and you've got to think about that. Don't create a bot just for the sake of creating one. Make it a service that's worthwhile and, and a journey through your service that is, is useful. So it's very definitely worth getting on board with this now, um, getting the extra publicity that you'll get through it while it's all new. And and I think it's it's an interesting, fun time to be a developer working on that side of stuff. So it takes you away from the sort of the mundane day job. Um, but yeah, really get get on board, I think. Awesome. Well, David, thanks so much for, for chatting about Bot Framework today. No problem at all. And thanks as always to all of you for listening, and we'll see you next time on Gone Mobile. Thank you.